Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I am your host with over a decade in the local church. I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in practical ways. Today's episode is with Taylor Turkington. Taylor is a scholar, and she has studied the book of Habakkuk. And this conversation is all about trembling faith and her calling and how to study the Bible and how to read the Bible with other people and pray to read for a trembling faith. One of my favorite things that she says is that God calls us uh, to be faithful through scripture. I love it. This is such a fun conversation on a book of the Bible that many of us don't read very often. So, hey, if this conversation is helpful for you, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know needs a little bit of courageous faith. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with biblical scholar Taylor Turkington. Taylor, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. It's an absolute joy to speak with you from all the way from Portland, Oregon. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, well, we have so much to jump into. I can't wait to talk about your latest resource, Trembling Faith, um, the work that you do. But I kind of like to start macro perspective first. And so um, I'm curious, you've, you've done a lot of biblical study over the years. You've done a lot of ministry with women. How would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I would say that God has called me to equip people to study and teach the Bible. I mm. remember in just even young as a teenager feeling like I was studying the Bible, the God in his kindness made this like nerdy teenager love the Bible. And I kept reading it and kept like writing notes to people around me of like, have you seen this verse? Like, this is what I think it means. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Thanks Taylor. Okay. Bye. You know, and just put this idea, <laughs> idea, even as a young kid of wanting to talk about it and show others that it was applicable and continuing in college, gathering people into my, uh, my living room of the house that we rented on all these couches that we found on the side of the road because we didn't have money. You know, they were like all the free couches that we'd pulled into this, into this living room. And we packed that living room with people where we talked about the Bible. And I think ever since then realizing that I want more education, I want more training so that I can be able to equip other people so that they can study and teach it to other people that it could spread so that we know the goodness of God and the glory of Jesus through the scriptures. Hmm. What a beautiful way to put that. I think that there's probably somebody listening right now who's like, yeah, Taylor, I'd like to learn more about the Bible too, but where, where do you recommend people start on this journey? If they're, if they've got a hunger for the word and they're just not really sure, like what's the first step? Yeah. You know, I really believe that God is going to change the world through his local church. So if you mm. are not in a local church, I'd say that's the first place to do. Go, go to a church, hear the word preached, look for somewhere where you, when you get there, they open the Bible and they teach what the Bible says. They don't just read a verse and then talk about whatever's in that person's heads up front. Brother, they teach through the Bible verse by verse, and they talk about how it leads to the gospel of Jesus, how he has grace for you that his life, death, and resurrection means that that you have relationship with God and freedom. 
And then I would say, start reading some of the Bible. I really encourage people that they can read the Bible. Start. I usually encourage people to start one of the gospels. So start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And maybe if you have a friend that's read the Bible before who reads it, like ask them to read it with you. One to one, you read, make, make it simple. You're not committing for life to somebody, but say, hey, for the next six weeks, we're going to meet for lunch once a week and we're going to read through half a chapter of one of these gospel books and then talk about it. And sometimes you can ask just simple questions like, what happened in this chapter? What does Jesus offer? What do we learn about mm. Jesus? How do people respond to Jesus? How should they have responded to Jesus? Maybe how, <laughs> how should we respond to Jesus because of this? Like there, there are questions that help us realize that we don't get to decide what the Bible means, but that we're paying attention to what it has to say for us. And that's, I think, the way to get started. And then there's some books to read and there's like workshops to learn from. But man, the first thing I would say is find a church and maybe somebody in the church or one of your friends who reads the Bible to do it with you. As you kind of began out on your journey, how did you discern God's voice about where he was calling you to? Because it's one thing to be like nerdy Bible study teen, but it's another thing to be like, no, this is what I'm doing. How, how did that, uh, how'd that story kind of unfold for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, so I went to school for business school. Both of my parents had like studied MBAs. And so of course I was going to go to business school. So my undergrad, (laughs) I was studying business at the university, but you know, Tony, I wasn't paying that much attention to business. I mean, I did, I went to class, you know, but I, I lived for gathering Bible studies in my room, in my dorm. And then later in like Mm. the house that I was packed into with a bunch of other gals so that we could afford it, you know, so that we would just gather women, international students. We'd gather women that we met, whoever, who would freshmen who would come and read the Bible with us and that we would be able to talk about it. And I realized that I would be disobeying God if I didn't spend more of my life doing this. And I didn't think that necessarily meant vocational ministry. And oftentimes it doesn't because it's not all about like where a paycheck comes from that. I really thought perhaps I'm going to be a business person and, but I'm going to also spend the energy of my life helping other people study the Bible. And so I want to encourage people. This doesn't mean that if you feel that calling on God's life, that you have to be vocationally in ministry. Um, and especially as, as economies shift, that doesn't, a lot of people won't be in vocational ministry and that, and globally, a lot of people work and then give their lives to teaching other people about the Bible, right? They don't do, get paid to do that. Um, and so I thought that that maybe would be what I would do. But it turns out the other way that I did end up doing vocational ministry. I went overseas, told people about Jesus in Eastern Europe for a couple of years, came back realizing I needed more education, that if people were listening to what I said, that I needed to learn more. So I went to Western Seminary for graduate school and then later doctoral studies there as well. So you were just in college creating Bible studies. Was that with any a type of organization or is it just like you and a bunch of girlfriends just doing it together? How does that, um, how does one get the courage to do that sort of work? Cause it feels like not a very, uh, I mean, maybe your college was different than most, but like, uh, not always like super inviting to that sort of thing. 
Yeah. Well, you know, so I was doing it with um, campus ministries that were on campus for a while. I was involved with university and then I was involved with crew, but I didn't use pre-written studies. I just said I was part of it is like, it's okay to be cheesy and awkward for the sake of the gospel. Like, so I remember being up like, Hey, do you want to read the Bible with me? Did you know I love reading the Bible with people? It's so fun. It's like one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Do you want to come to my house at two o'clock on Thursday? And we'll read the Bible. I'll invite some other friends. You bring your friends. We'll do it. It's going to be so great. Oh, I'm going to make cheesecake. I'll make cheesecake, you know? And so I just, I'm just silly and awkward about it. And I still do the same Mm. thing today with people I meet at the park. My daughter is five and I will meet moms at the park. I'm like, Hey, you know, like as we're talking about other things, I'm like, Hey, do you have a spiritual background? Do you like reading the Bible? I live in Portland. So most of the people that I meet haven't read the Bible. They, they don't have Christian background. They have likely never been in a church. Um, so that's my context. And I asked them like, Hey, have you read the, read the Bible? You know, it's a good literary piece. I feel like everybody should read some of it and be able to understand what it says. I love reading it one-to-one with people. Do you want to read, like read once a week with me at the coffee shop around the corner? And what's crazy is a lot of times people say yes. And it, do you ever feel, uh, I, I talk to a lot of people about this idea about inviting people into intentional relationships. And, you know, we, we say around here that disciple making is really just, it's a relationship that has, has you focused on following Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And it can start at any point and it can move along the way as people move. Um, and the number one thing I hear from people is that they don't feel qualified, Right, I don't feel qualified to disciple someone. What are your thoughts on qualification to walk with somebody in their faith? Yeah, well, I think if we look at the Great Commission at the end, as Jesus is leaving and he says to his, his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, that, that that wasn't just a command for those people standing there, but it's, it's a command for everyone. So as we follow Jesus every disciple is a disciple maker. Like that's what our part of our calling. So there may be people that are gifted in evangelism. Absolutely. Are gifted in teaching. Sure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the rest of us aren't called to it as well. Just like we wouldn't say, Oh, some people are gifted, gifted in giving, but I'm not gifted in giving. So I don't give. No, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't say that. No, we are all called to do all of these things. Though some people maybe have different skills, supernatural skills from the Holy spirit to do it. Mm. So we're all called to it. And if you know the good news of Jesus, then I would say you can walk with somebody else in faith and talk to them about the good news of Jesus. And if you are still learning how to read the Bible, you can still open the Bible and read it one-to-one with somebody else. A great book is One-to-One Bible Reading by David Helm. It's super short and it's got, it's like 70 pages, super thin. It's got these worksheets of how you would do this in different genres. And it's very encouraging. You read it and you're like, oh, I can do this. And you just think about how, okay, what kinds of questions would I ask with somebody else as we sit down and read the Bible together? And you do not have to have all the answers. People might ask like, well, what's happening here? Or what does that word mean? You can say, I don't know. That's totally fine. And then, oh, and maybe we should have somebody in our lives that we can ask that maybe does know. Maybe you ask your pastor or you ask somebody else that you know that's, you know, is a disciple maker around in your life. So I would say that whoever's saying I'm not equipped, they probably are. And that if you need some help, there's tools we can offer you. That I couldn't agree more on every level because I think the 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 change that the world really needs is going to happen in this one on one kind of intentional disciple making where 
Christians realize that the biggest mission field is the one that they're living in and, and mm-hmm. kind of surrounded by people all the time. Um, you mentioned having a five-year-old. How has that changed your faith? I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Well, partly is that parenting is includes desperation. We beg God for help in parenting, <laughs> which is a good thing. You know, every any, anything that we're called to that is really hard is good for us as we throw ourselves on the need for God's help. And that doesn't mean that I, I love my child, but parenting is hard. We have to learn how do we sure. disciple a smaller person who has emotions and thoughts and a will and has to think through how she makes good decisions that um, that honor the Lord and, and moving her towards faith, God willing, like continuing to teach her about who God is and what he's done. So I think I've learned a lot about that and about how we communicate those truths at a, in a different way to a smaller, a smaller understanding of the world. Right. And, um, and with patience and definitely never mm-hmm. in a way, try really thinking like, how do we not shame? How do we not try to manipulate through the truths of the scriptures, but rather give space for people in their journey. I think sometimes in discipleship, we feel like we have to like control like what the outcome of people that we're walking with. And that is absolutely doesn't work. And it's not kind. And it's, and in parenting is the same way. We can't always force our kids to make the right decisions. I mean, we can force their actions sometimes, but we can't force their good attitude always. Right. And so what does it look like for us to give boundaries and consequences, but also to call them with the beauty of who Christ is. I know that we have a lot of parents listening. A lot of people, uh, friends of mine who listen to the podcast have young kids. Do they have any practices that they could steal from you on how to uh, help kind of plant the word in that young mind? Mm, Well, you know, I have found that memorizing scripture with her is really mm. helpful. Like their little brains suck it up, right? They mem- they can memorize things so much faster than we can because that's what they're doing right now. They're memorizing how the world works, right? And so we we read we just even say the Lord's Prayer. We say 1 Corinthians 13 in the morning together. We don't have to like have memorization time. I just say it. And after like three days, she hasn't memorized because she's little. Wow. And we, she just soaks it up. We, we talk. She knows the Apostles' Creed. She knows these long chunks because I, mom has just said them a couple times and therefore it's in her brain. We also have a good number of scripture songs we listen to and she's got all of them memorized. And and I, when she's upset and angry, those aren't the times for me to pull out scripture and be like, do you see how you are not living out first Corinthians 13, but rather later when she's calm mm. after we've worked through the, some of the emotions. And then later we can say, how could we have done this different based on what we know from some of these scriptures? And she is, she's able to talk about it. Um, and that, I think that that's those things were already ingraining into her brain that she doesn't always have the self-control to apply them in the midst, the heat of the moment, but later. And that's a good thing. Uh, that's true for me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like I know it, but I don't always act like I know it. So, uh, I like that. Uh, this latest resource for you, uh, trembling faith. I'm, I'm really interested in the creative process. How did you know that God was calling you to write a book about one of the minor prophets? And, and kind of, can you tell us a little bit about that story of how Trembling Faith came to be and the name and kind of the story behind the story? 
Yeah. So if I drew you a timeline of my life, I've said this before, but if I drew a timeline, there would be these parts where my timeline went down and and they'd be the really hard times of my life. And every one of those, I would be able to label when Taylor ended up in the book of Habakkuk because God has comforted (laughs) me through the book of Habakkuk over and over again. When I was in high school, I ended up reading the book of Habakkuk. I can't tell you how I ended up there. No idea. But I remember learning about racism and injustice and realizing it wasn't just in history, but it's today as well. And, and seeing brokenness around me and, and also seeing just debilitating illness in my own family and saying, God, this is broken and reading Habakkuk and seeing a model of someone call out to God with full honesty and God hear and answer him and God offer him a way to go forward, this way of faith, not like a naive faith or like a stick your head in the sand faith, but a gritty faith that helps you move forward in in real life about who God was. And then this song, because I skipped chapter two in high school, because I was like, I don't understand this part, (laughs) the woe song. But then this song of chapter three that some of those moving verses, I think in the scriptures are the end, the ending of the book of Habakkuk, where they talk about how he could lose everything in his life that makes his life stable and he will still have God. And because of that, he'll have joy. And this isn't like a stuff your feelings kind of joy, but it means that grief or anger or sadness because of faith can coexist with joy and that we can even struggle and know that God will make us strong and he doesn't leave us. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Taylor to remind you that now is the time to take the next step in your faith and work integration. Follow to Lead Coaching is a brand new services that I'm offering, individual and group coaching. One goal in mind, to help you integrate your faith and your life in every aspect. I'm currently coaching executives all over the US and I'm so excited that we've got a couple spots open this summer and fall. So if you want to learn more and start, the best place to go is follow the number two leadcoaching.com. Follow the number two leadcoaching.com. Now let's finish up this conversation with Taylor. I, I think um I think it's really easy for a lot of us who read the scriptures, even on a semi-regular basis, uh, to skip over the minor prophets. So I, I was kind of hoping that you might one, just for the sake of clarity, tell everybody what a minor prophet is versus a major yeah. prophet, and also why the how can we better understand the gift of those books of scripture? Those are great. Let me finish that for, for other question though. Let me finish because I told you about high school, but let me let me tell you how I kept oh, yeah. going in Habakkuk really quick. Yes, so, please. Yeah. So in high school, I ran into it and it changed me. But then again, later when my health was in a precarious place in the hospital, I ended up in the book of Habakkuk when leaders were making decisions that were, that made me angry and hurt and made me feel like they didn't care about me and greatly impacted my family. When work and ministry didn't go as I was planned, like all these things, every time it hit bottom, I ended up in the book of Habakkuk. And that led me to want to study it more. So I ended up writing my doctoral dissertation on it and really realizing, as you're talking about the Minor Prophets, that these these books that often still have the gold on the edges, right, that we don't read them very often, like that they have impact for us, that we need them in our lives and that we need to be able to understand suffering and injustice and corruption and to know how to pray and to know how to live 
and to know how to walk forward in this chaotic world. And in that chapter three is a, is a Psalm. It's a song that Habakkuk wrote. And in it, it talks about him trembling, even as he recognizes that things are going to get worse before they get better. But also he remembers the power of God. So he trembles. So there's this both sides, like he's trembling in fear. And it says literally that he, he trembles in his gut. Like, like it's like, he's like having intestinal problems. He's afraid, you know, it's, it's, it's like very real. And me, me telling a friend about this, she's like, I'm so glad that's in the Bible because I, cause she had had a panic attack and she's like, that's what it's like sometimes. Like, you know, like you're just so afraid that your body, you have physical reactions to the fear and that's Mm. just real life sometimes. And so there's this very real life issue here. And then at the same time, being able to realize that, that God speaks into that and that he can tremble, but he can do that with faith and that God is there with him in the midst of it. And so I wanted to write this book, not in like an intellectual heady, like this is what you should know about Habakkuk, but to say, this is how we live through chaos. And so following up in like the minor prophets, I think the minor prophets are, they're not minor, like less important, but they're just smaller, which is why we call them the minor prophets, smaller than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, these major prophets. So the, the minor prophets, there's 12 of them. So we, they were originally called the book of the 12 because they were 12 put together in this scroll in Hebrew. And that, and Habakkuk is smack in the middle and they cover, you know, the eighth century prophets before the Northern kingdom goes into exile, the seventh century prophets, which are kind of in the middle, the Zephaniah, Habakkuk and Nahum, which we'd call when the, the Northern kingdom has already gone into exile, but the Southern kingdom hasn't yet. Judah is still waiting and see uh, like, oh, God wouldn't send us. Like they're a little overconfident and they feel like God wouldn't actually judge them. And then these seventh century prophets. And then we have the prophets that are after the exile, that kind of the later ones. And each of these sections have themes about God's justice, God's discipline, mm-hmm. about calling for right lives and, and hope for what God is doing. All of these themes woven together in these books and also about judgment, how God is not, doesn't ignore the sin of the world, but he's one day going to judge and make things right. What a beautiful, uh, a beautiful description how, how hard was it for you to take your doctoral work and turn it into something that is a little bit more um, with handles on it? Like, what was that process like? Because obviously, I mean, how many times do you think you've read the book of uh, Havoc? How can I never say that word? But, no, that was uh, right. So, so that's just the Brit way of saying it. So you, that's the correct way to okay. say it. Canada and Britain says Habakkuk. America says Habakkuk. Both are correct. Okay. I, you know, I got this wrong. I, I don't know if I got it wrong in seminary as much as no yeah. one ever corrected it either way. Yeah. And so I just started reading those words fast and trying to say them as confidently yeah. as possible. But uh, yes, talk about that process of taking, you know, how many times have you read through it, you think? And then taking it from something that's, you know, doctorally kind of written to something that is kind of, I mean, because this book is very accessible for anyone, right? Like right. this isn't, yeah. it's not academic. How many times have I read the book of Habakkuk? I don't know. <laughs> Hundreds, probably, probably a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think it's to the point now where someone says something and I can say, oh, that's chapter two, verse 16. Or, oh, that's chapter two, verse 12. Versus, I don't think Do there's think another. Do you memorize it? It's pretty close right now. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's another book of the Bible right now where I can tell you to the verse 
where almost everything is without looking. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, and so I may I not be able to quote the whole thing, but I but I know where all like where it is like we're pretty close to the verses, which is great. And um and I hope that I keep studying. Like there's still more to learn. We never like we never master a book and like as if like mm. we are done, we are over it. Like we are always under the scriptures and that we submit ourselves to it and there's always more to learn. So I think even now, like I, I think about more study that I want to do in the book of Habakkuk. And moving it into something that's less uh, academic, something more that's for everyone. At first it was a little challenging because it meant that I had to leave out some things that were really exciting to me that were maybe a little nerdy. Yeah. Like nobody cares about the Hebrew. I would write something and my editor would come back and be like, no one cares. And I'm like, okay, good point. Like <laughs> we'll cut this right out. Um, I thought it was really nerdy and fun, but yeah. But, but at the same time, these books are applicable to our lives. And if we really yeah. soak in them, they are designed to be meditated on, right? The Bible is meditation literature and that we study it, but we also are supposed to be like chewing on it. And so the longer that we chew on it and come back to it and think about it again, there's more that we can realize that it's changing our perspective on life. And even that chapter two, I told you I skipped as a high schooler because I was like, I don't understand because it's this woe song in the middle. And so it just says woe to him, woe to him over and over again, five times. And I'm like, usually when someone says woe, I just kind of start skimming because this seems like really dark. Let's get to some more hope. But there's this woe song I think has a lot of lot of truth for us, really thinking about how mm. God cares about how we treat other people, because he's saying that he is going to bring consequences on the people that manipulate to gain people who steal people mm. who would use their power to gain from somebody else that God cares about that. And he sees it. So for people who are sitting under those who are misusing their power, whether that be governments or you know, corporations, or sometimes even the church, people misuse their power and care more about themselves than others. And that's not healthy. But so if people who are sitting underneath that, like there's comfort, I think, and this song was designed for comfort in the context of Habakkuk, but it was also designed to call us to be just people who don't use our power or our words. We can shame people so quickly with our words that we don't use our words that way. And we don't use our money that way. We don't use our money to gain for ourselves, to push other people down. And so I think that, um, this song, the longer we, we read it, the more we reread it, it, we see more of the application for everyday life. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that I've only preached in all the years that I've preached, I've only really preached one using, uh, kind of one section of, of the book. And it's really just about writing the vision down. So the heralds mm -hmm. may run with it. Right. And yeah. it's kind of about this idea about casting vision. Um, but I think at, now as, as we talk more and more, I want to get back to reading it. Cause I'm like, man, it's, it's so good. H how, how important do you think it is to revisit parts of scripture um, that maybe we've we've glossed over before. What what kind of reading plan do you use to stay um, when you're not studying, but just for your own personal devotion to stay mm -hmm. kind of in the Word and and fresh on what God's trying to tell you through uh, through Scripture? That's great. Yeah, and I I do do a reading plan that pushes that has me read through the whole Bible every year, and I want to give full like 
blanket statement. You don't have to do that. It's very much okay for you to read not through the whole (laughs) Bible every year. And there are definitely seasons in my life when I had a newborn where that was not happening. I was reading less and that's okay. Or, you know, whatever trenches you're in or where my health has been really hard, I've been reading less and that's okay. It's also okay to listen to the Bible. But for me, reading through the whole Bible just means I have to read four chapters a day, average four chapters a day. And there's days that I miss and then days I have to catch up. There's been many years of my life that that meant that I just picked a book of the Bible and I read four chapters a day and then I picked another book and I would have like kind of a printout where I would make sure I was keeping track of which books I've read that Mm -hmm. year and which ones I haven't because I forget by the time I get to June which ones I've read and I haven't this year. And I didn't, I didn't have like a formal plan because I liked picking the next book myself. <laughs> and I go today, I feel like I really want to read James or I really want to read Exodus, you know? And so I would just pick the next book myself. Um, but it's also okay to have a plan this year. I'm using the Bible project plan on you version. You version is a great mm-hmm. app. It runs on everything, but a toaster, like it runs on everything and you can read it or it will read it to you. And it often has, in this case with the Bible project, it has a little bit of commentary, like a little video that goes with some of the days. And uh, I appreciate those. Uh, and I think that it's good to be able to know that we never stop needing a certain book of the Bible. And I can tell when I only read certain parts of the Bible, God in his kindness, I think teaches differently through different genres that if you only read the letters in the new Testament, you tend to have very black and white vision about things. And because it's a lot of like gospel truth and here's these commands that is different than the way the Old Testament narratives teach. They teach very in the gray as we see things go poorly. It's a plot with narrative and you see messiness and messy families and people rebelling, which is different than poetry, which which evokes emotion and makes us slow down and makes us a little more introspective, which is different than parable and different than Proverbs. And so we we think about these different things and different than prophecy, which is often the one that a lot of us skip that, that is calling <laughs> out and making us think about judgment and sin and justice. And honestly, sometimes I think we are uncomfortable in the church talking about justice or people who've been mistreated because we don't read the prophets because mm. this is really normal for God's people to talk about. Like how has, how has this person taken advantage of this person? Man, that's all over the prophets. And so right. thinking through, like generosity was required by the law back then and treating anyone who was vulnerable like with grace and and kindness was required by the law they protected those people and so it should be so if we read those more i think we have a better idea of how it's safe and good for us to be thinking about the dignity of all people and how we don't mistreat people especially those that have less power than we do Yeah, I, I think that that's um, that's a great way to think about the the prophets. I don't often think about it that way, but it really can and does have the ability to speak into um, a lot of modern day church situations in a fr- and kind of an old fresh way. If such a, a, a oxymoron kind of exists, I I'm curious as this book begins to make its way out into the wilderness and more and more people are picking it up. Um, my podcast family loves to pray. Mm. What, what can they come alongside you and pray for as this book gets out into the world? Oh, I love that question. Thank you. I would love for them to pray that people read the book and then they read the book of Habakkuk, 
right? That this isn't mm-hmm. about, hey, read Taylor's words, but let's read what God has inspired in the scriptures and that they would know how to talk about God when the their world hits the fan, when the chaos comes in. And in our day, I think that there are a lot of people who are talking about God, but they're not talking to him. And mm-hmm. Habakkuk gives us a model for us to bring all that we have to God. And God is never irritated. He welcomes it. Like Habakkuk is like angry and he is protesting. I mean, he's saying, God, why haven't you showed up yet? How could you possibly do this? Like, what are you Mm. doing? You are failing. He's more, he's accusing and protesting, but he's doing it with faith at the same time because he calls God my rock, my holy one, even as he protests and that we can have this safe relationship with God because that is the only way for us to live in this chaotic world. Like we hear about injustice every day if we read the news. My goodness, because we live now in such a world where we hear about news from all over and that we hear about real broken stuff, about dictators, about earthquakes, about shootings, sometimes much closer to home than we want. Mm. And that the only way for us to live in all of this and not stick our heads in the sand or explode in anger is to bring it to God and to hear the vision that God gives him, which is that he contrasts the self-dependent and the arrogant with his people and his people, they will live by faith. That's what it says in Habakkuk 2, 4, that they are going to live by faith, not in like just a pretend none of this happens, or let's just choose stoicism, but rather a faith saying like, our God is just, and one day in the end, he's going to make it right. And so we live by faith day to day today, because we know the character of God, that He is faithful and that He is working. And then this chapter three, after chapter two is that woe song where the woe where God is reminding them of his justice, which is supposed to be comfort to them. And then this final song that Habakkuk writes in chapter three, which is, it's as if Habakkuk knows his people don't need another sermon. Like he knows that they, instead they need a song. And so Mm. the prayer would be that people would read the book of Habakkuk, that they would talk to God and then they'd be able to sing their faith because that's what he does for them in chapter three. It's like, I'm not going to give you a sermon. I'm going to say, put words in your mouth and say, sing this. And he sings for them the power of God, that he is the God who saves his people. That's the repetition word, that the God is the God who saves over and over again. And he uses this big fantasy language to describe the Exodus, how God in the past has saved and reminding us that, and for us, we say God has saved us through Jesus. We remember that we sing about it again, even when life is terrible and so hard. And then we say at like at the end of Habakkuk, where he says, even if I lose everything, it's those famous verses that maybe people are familiar with it. If there's no fruit on the vine, if there's no crops, that the crops fail, if there's no herds in the stalls anymore, if it's all gone, we will still celebrate in the Lord because he gives us strength like the deer. And this is the way we move forward so that people would pray to God and that they would sing their faith and that they would do it with other people. That's the prayer. Whew. Amen. Preach. I'm here for all of that. Uh, I, and I actually love the way that you drip the scripture. That's, um, that's my favorite kind of biblical scholar. So, so thank you for your faithfulness and all of that. Um, I know that my, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know my podcast family will want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Um, where is the best place to learn all things Taylor? 
Yeah. So BibleEquipping.org is the name of the ministry that I lead. So we lead events at local churches all over the U.S. where we come in and we do some training for women in how to study the Bible and how to teach the Bible. And we also do these cohorts for Bible teachers, women Bible teachers. We have some almost every term. It's really fun. We do, we talk about how do we, if you already know how to study the Bible, let's talk about how we then take that into a message to teach others, whether that be in a small room with a handful of youth group people that you pulled in or from a stage, either one. And, um, and we do some coaching and other things there as well. And you can find me on social medias. I think Tay Turk is, or Tay Turkington is my handle on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on there a little bit. I, and you can find my newsletter through Bible equipping. Excellent. Excellent. And just out of curiosity, uh, is this, was this a two book deal for you? Is there going to be another one coming? Are you already working on the next one? I am working on the next one, but it is with a different publisher. It's with Hotter, which is a British publisher and it's a commentary, a practical commentary on Zephaniah. And I'm really excited for it. It's a fantastic global commentary series where every book of the Bible is written by somebody on a different continent, the commentary. And it's a really beautiful team to get to write about the Bible to serve people globally. When's that due out? Um, I think so they're slowly releasing different volumes. And so the earliest ones I think are coming out in the next year, but then mine I think is going to be more than a year out before it comes out. But I would love to send you the info about it, Todd. It's going to be really beautiful. Please do. I absolutely, I would love to have you back on to talk about it. And I just love, I love talking about scripture. So, um, and, and, um, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Okay. So I want to take you back um, to that the day after you realized that um, you were never going to be able to not study scripture with other people, right? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that was in college, maybe that was in high school, when when it just became crystal clear to you that the Lord had anointed you um, to to just study his word and share it with other humans. If you could go back in time and sit knee to knee with that young, younger version of yourself, hold her hand and look her in the eyes. Uh, what's the one thing that you're going to tell her about what lies ahead? Oh, that's such a great question. I think I would tell her, what I tell other women actually even now that when God calls us to teach the Bible, it is not for us that our spiritual gifts and our callings aren't for self actualization. Hmm. They're not so that we feel better about ourselves and they're not for us to be famous or to feel good about what we've accomplished necessarily, though it's good to work hard, but rather God gifts his church at large to serve his people and to give glory to God. And that will mean that your dreams will probably not look like what you expected and that the plan will change many times. Your job is to be faithful with what God puts in front of you. And there will be seasons of your life where that means something big and flashy And there'll be seasons when it looks like primarily to a small group of people that, and maybe a dozen know the labor that you do day in and day out. But that is for the glory of God and for the good of his people. 
And that is what every spiritual gift and every calling is for. And that when the world tells you that you should do something different and strategize differently, always take it with a big grain of salt because your job is to be faithful. Amen. I love that. That's so good. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you for your heart for the Lord and for his word and, um, and for just your willingness to be, um, to be vulnerable with that. Such an important piece of advice, I think for all of us. Yeah. Well, and you know what, Tony, I've need to hear that often, right? Like, because Mm. there's a time when we think that the work that we do is for us. I mean, you need to be reminded this is not for us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time today. It's been a joy. Thanks so much. What a fun conversation. I just appreciate her heart. I like the way that she talked about gritty faith and the need to understand. I also really appreciated her emphasis on community as it pertains to understanding and reading the Bible. Such valuable insight. I'm so thankful for Taylor's gift and what she does for the faith. Guys, if there's anything I can do to help you, please don't hesitate to let me know. You can hit me up on Instagram at TWMilt. And remember to share this episode with a friend. It is the absolute highest compliment you can give us. As always, I'm forever thankful for all of you who take the time out of your very busy schedules to listen. And remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.